0: Well, thank you, Pastor Marshall, for the opportunity to be here with you. Um, I really appreciate the theme and what the Lord has put together for this conference. Typically, you have a missions conference that is every one of the missionaries are church-planting missionaries, and that's wonderful. And that's I pastored for 10 years, just most recently, in uh, Yonkers, New York, and that's typically what we had. We would have church-planting missionaries, but those aren't the only servants doing missions work. Uh, they're not only church planters, and it's been great to see supportive-type missions um, servants here, and I just so appreciate what the Lord has put together and how, how it fits the theme. Uh, Many of us are in support roles in our various ministries, and um, no different for us, SELA International Counseling Ministries, and um, I'm not here to present tonight. I'm presenting tomorrow night, so I will save you the details of what our ministry is, but I would encourage you to stop by our table back there. Um, SELA exists to come alongside of and assist pastors, missionaries, ministry leaders, and their families with their personal counseling needs. Biblical counseling ministry to ministry leaders and their families. Uh, Having served in pastoral ministry for almost 17 years, um, I know I started when I was 10, okay? So, um, no, having served in pastoral ministry, I know that sometimes, maybe more often than not, ministry can be a very isolated place to live. And uh, to be a part of a ministry that comes alongside of ministry leaders and provide support by way of personal counseling, biblical counseling, it's just a huge privilege to be a part of. And I'd love to answer any of your questions back there at the table about it. But a couple of things on the table that I would point your attention to. We do have some um, great little biblical counseling resources back there in the the slots, the uh, display back there. Those are $5 a piece to help us recoup our cost on ordering and having those shipped. But if that can be a help to you, there's, there's a few back there. Um, topics on like worry or anger, prodigal children, uh, suffering, uh, grief, There are several little booklets back there that that might be a help to you or somebody you know. Feel free to avail yourself of that. There's a sign-up sheet on the table. I would encourage you to sign up for our update so we can keep you abreast of what's going on uh, in and through our ministry. There's a family prayer card. The much better part of this uh, whole ordeal is my family, and I'm so looking forward to having them with us tomorrow night, but there's a prayer card there with my family on there, and our personal uh, contact information is there, so You would take that and pray not only for us but for pastors and missionaries literally all over the world and our ministry as we seek to come alongside and support them. And then there's one other card back there on the table that I would strongly encourage every family to take, and that is on one side it's blue, the other side it's brown, and that is prayer for missionaries and prayer for pastors. And there are about 10 or 12 prayer prompts, specific ways that you can pray for your pastor and his family, and then there's uh, the same amount of practical helps on putting feet to some of those prayers. What can you do to be a practical help to your pastor and his wife and their children? Um, Did you know this is Pastor Appreciation Month? So if you didn't, you do now, and hopefully he did not pay me to say this, uh, nor did any of the other staff members, but if you have not done anything to show your pastors and their families that you appreciate them, you still have I don't know how many shopping days left in the month of October, uh, but there is still time to do so. So I trust that that you'll take that card and let that be a help to you to know how you can minister to not only your pastor and his family, but your missionaries and their families. All right, Acts 16. Would you turn your Bibles to Acts 16? I'll have a lot more to say about our ministry tomorrow evening. I've been given the topic tonight of partnership. Partnership. Last night we heard about Encouragement through uh, Barnabas. Tonight, I want to talk about partnership through a case study on Paul and Silas. And you see that there in your notes. What is a partner? If you look it up in the dictionary, a partner is one associated with another, especially in action. Partnership, as you well know, can produce good results, and some partnerships can lead to very negative results. For example, in the home, healthy partnership and parenting can lay a solid foundation in the home. But manipulative relationships in the home can actually have the opposite effect and can really cause a lot of instability in the home. But both scenarios are examples of partnership, aren't they? And I think you get the the picture. Now, when biblically harnessed, Partnership can be an absolutely wonderful gift in life and in ministry. Without biblical partnerships, life and ministry really are practically impossible. God has designed you and me as believers to feed off of and be dependent upon relationships. There are some 100 mentions just in the New Testament of one another's. You've heard that before. You know that in your own Bible study. There are a lot of mentions of relating to one another. Many of those mentions are in regard to relationships in the church. Some of those one another's are teaching on how not to relate to one another. But many of those mentions are really for our edification and learning of how to relate to one another within the body of Christ. And as we heard last night... God can use our relating to one another in some very powerful and positive ways in life and ministry. And so tonight, what I want to do is take a kind of piggyback off of what Brother McPhail spoke on last night. I want to piggyback off of that and zoom in on this relating of one another within the church in relationship to partnership partnership in ministry there's an interesting case study as I mentioned Paul and Silas and in order to set the tone in examining the power of partnership you see the title there on the screen in order to set that tone it, I think it'd be beneficial to introduce you to Silas I don't know what comes to your mind when you think about Silas when I was given this topic not a lot came to my mind I knew Paul and Silas were in prison together Um, But I I learned a couple of things when I studied out um, Silas in Scripture. For one, I don't know if you know this little free tidbit of information. In the book of Acts, Silas is translated Silas. But in Paul's epistles, you often see it, Silvanus. Um, He was a leader and teacher in the church at Jerusalem, Acts 15. And like Paul, we're going to see in our story tonight that he was a Jewish Roman citizen. He helped to deliver the Jerusalem Council's clarification to the believers at Antioch on the requirements for salvation. You could go back and read about that in Acts 15. And Acts 16 tells us that Silas accompanied Paul on his second missionary journey. One of the ministry opportunities that We'll mention tonight and then revisit at the very end um, that Paul and Silas experienced together was the leading of Lydia and a few of her other associates that, you know, she was the seller of fabrics, leading her to faith in Christ. And after ministering to her and some of the others who were with her, Paul and Silas endured an intense trial together. They were accused of stirring up trouble in Philippi, and I think we're going to be talking about Philippi here um, in a subsequent night. A little later, they were beaten, they were imprisoned, they were tortured, you find that in Acts 16. Suffice to say this, though, Paul and Silas walked through some great times together. I, I'm sure they had some wonderful ministry times, but in the passage section of Scripture we're going to talk about tonight, they certainly lived through some very trying times Together. Here's what I want to submit to you tonight God gifted them and still gives believers today partnership in life and ministry. When I pastored in New York, our church family often drew comfort by telling each other, hey, we are in this together. Maybe you've said that to a fellow believer here in your church. But we drew comfort knowing that we had the privilege of bearing one another's burdens and the privilege of having others bear our burdens with us. Tonight, I want to take a look at a ministry opportunity that Paul and Silas experienced together. And I want us to see, by inference, the power that partnership played in their life and ministry. And I believe one of the factors that led to the benefits of partnership in their lives was their understanding of the need for inter- Dependence. If you were to look up interdependence, it's the dependence of two or more people on thi- or things on each other. Interdependence is two or more people depending on each other for good results. Well, I believe it was interdependence between these two men and possibly other partners in ministry that God used to strengthen them to keep taking each next step as they went forward in ministry. That's essentially what we do at Selah. We want to come alongside of ministry leaders and their families and help lift up their arms that have fallen down sometimes. Sometimes it's in crisis mode. Sometimes it's in just support follow-up mode. But we want to encourage ministry leaders to keep taking that next step in what God has called them to do. Well, tonight, we're gonna notice this interdependence in this passage. Now, that word is not used in this passage, but the results of their interdependent partnership is clearly seen. And I wanna encourage you tonight to consider three things, three benefits to interdependent partnership in ministry. And then I'm going to wrap up by leaving you with two considerations for what does partnership look like for you today as the body of Christ. Um, Let's pray, and then we'll go through this passage briefly tonight. Father, thank you for the opportunity that I have to open your word. Thank you for the opportunity we all have to receive your word I pray that your Holy Spirit would use your word tonight to prick our hearts in a very special way, in a motivating way, in a, a way that would prompt us to action and partnering with one another in this gift that you've given us, an interdependence, to do that which you've called us to do in taking the gospel of Christ, both here and abroad. We pray this in the name of Jesus, for his sake. Amen. Notice... Well, look down at Acts 16 for just a moment. Acts 16, I just want to set the context, t- context by reading verses 20 through 24. Acts 16:20 20 says, And they brought them, this is Paul and Silas, to the magistrates, and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against him, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks." Paul and Silas were thrown into prison after being beaten, now being tortured with their feet in stocks, completely immobilizing their legs. And can you imagine being immobilized for hours upon hours, days? Um, How torturous that must have been. This is the situation they find themselves in, we find them in, but we find them here together. And by inference, I want us to see, see the power of partnership as they go through this ministry opportunity. Notice, first of all, partnership... Can help maintain spiritual focus in discouragement. Verse 25 says, And at midnight, oops, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. As the night had already set in, we find Paul and Silas praying and singing praises to God. Now, for most people, if they had just been accused, beaten, thrown into a death cell, and were being tortured, I believe most people would have been nursing their wounds, probably building up a pity party because of how terrible this was, and how much they wanted to be finished with it. In all reality, when we get into what seems to be hopeless situations like this, this is where people often allow discouragement and despair and despondency to set in. In the counseling world, we see this all the time. Perplexing situations come up, distress, displeasure, discouragement over circumstances and uncertainties often leads to the choice of despair and depression. But something happened here with Paul and Silas that prompted worship and praise instead of despair and worry. Apparently, their interdependent partnership opened the door for a proper focus even in such intense trials. It's important to notice that together, they prayed, sang praises to God, they fed off of each other and encouraged each other to maintain a healthy focus that avoided the pitfall of despair. Paul and Silas's example of partnership in trials, I believe prompts you and me to realize that it's important to do two things. I'll put them both up here on the screen for you. It prompts us to prioritize partnership that aids personal worship. And it also prompts us to practice partnership to produce an influential pattern. There is both a personal and a public benefit to their partnership. They encouraged each other to worship instead of worry. The need of our hearts in trials is to keep our hearts pointed in a worshipful direction instead of in a faithless inward turn to our inabilities and our uncertainties. Intentional partnership with other believers can help accomplish this. That's the heart, really, of a passage like Proverbs 27:17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Just like it takes the force of and work of a piece of metal to sharpen another piece of metal. It's God's intention to use believers like you, believers like me, to influence other believers toward worship. That's God's design. We need each other to point each other to God's character because... Our natural bent, our natural response to the intensity of our trials is often a self-focus and a weariness. Unfortunately, in many body of Christ situations, we're too independently minded for our own good. I got this. I'll be all right. Don't ask me how I'm doing. I will be okay. Can I I say this? If we're going to be committed to disciple-making, and from what I've seen here, Harvest Baptist Church is committed to making disciples. Disciple making involves two or more people working together to point and be pointed to the truth of God. That sounds simple, but how practical do we actually see this happening on the ground? Boots on the ground, right? How, how much do we actually see this happening It's often been when I've had somebody intentionally remind me of what true thinking is, that I've been able to get past the funk of stinking thinking. Do you ever travel through the funk of stinking thinking? I'm the only one. For example, Recently, I was challenged by a mentor in my life to battle through a struggle of self-focused discouragement. He challenged me to pursue and ask the Lord to shift my focus on a daily basis by praying and seeking three things. Joy of the Lord, godly contentment, and Godward confidence. Maybe you've heard those three before. Um, In his counsel to me, He really pointed out that, listen, our joy in every situation must be based on God alone. That our confidence to keep taking each next step must be found in God alone. That our contentment to perpetually rest must be based on God alone. Now, that may sound cliche. That may sound like typical Christian jargon. But where the rubber meets the road in daily walking and daily living we often miss those things. At least I do. And so that friend, that mentor, being willing to pour into me and challenge me was incredibly helpful, was um, really helpful to help me exercise my mind to be renewed with Scripture-based truth in those three areas. But if it were not for the grace of God, through that friend to point my stinking thinking to the refreshment of God's word, I'd probably be preaching to you up here tonight, still dealing with all three of those things. And, you know, it's not that those struggles completely ever go away, but it's through interdependent partnership that God often displays and gives his grace to help us walk through the daily struggles of life, to point our hearts back to worship. And I'll tell you this, this kind of thing is contagious. Through that interdependent partnership, I found myself then sharing those same things with my kids. We have a few minutes together, typically before they go to school in the morning. And I found myself, because I've been meditating on those truths, wanting to share it with them. Again, who's my, who are my number one Disciple-making opportunities, they're my children, my wife and my children. Well, this interdependence, this partnership finds its way in the grassroots level with our, our main discipleship opportunities. It's contagious. Partnership is critical in helping us maintain a Godward focus in the midst of perplexing situations. But notice number two, partnership can also paved the way for evangelistic opportunity. You know what happened next. Verse 26, Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then He called for a light, ran in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and his family were baptized. Now... When he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. The ensuing supernatural events literally shook that place up, left the prisoners uh, uh, released from their chains, and, and left these prisoners and the guards at a point of decision. God used the effects of Paul and Silas's interdependent partnership to save not only the guard of the prison, but his whole family. Three things real quickly, I'll say about this? Number one, I think this prompts us to action in the fact that we need to embrace partnership to add appeal to the gospel. You see, after the dust settles, the guard's about to kill himself in despair, Paul yells out, it's okay, don't do that. We haven't gone anywhere. And this man seeing apparently the interdependent uh, resultant rest In these two men, his immediate response is Guys, I need this. Whatever you have that caused you not to flee, that caused you to stay right there in the midst of all of this, I need that. You could have escaped free and clear, but you're still here. You must be living on something that I don't have. Well, it was true. They were living on the gospel. They were living on the power of the Holy Spirit. They were living on the promises of God through His Word. Who knows what kind of gospel opportunities you and I can have when we see, uh, when others see our lives and our love for God in each other? Embrace partnership to add appeal to the gospel, but continue in partnership to increase spread of the gospel. This passage indicates that together then Paul and Silas both took the opportunity to explain the gospel to the guard and his family. I can imagine these two men feeding off of each other as they tag teamed this gospel giving opportunity. You ever been in a situation like that where you and a fellow believer had an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody and it was almost like you were completing each other's sentences? Maybe one was praying, the other was, was speaking, um, or you found yourself kind of switching off. It happens to my wife and I when we counsel together. I absolutely love counseling with my wife. I don't know, just the Lord put something very special together when when he, he put us together. And, and when we are able to counsel together, there is a partnership there that proves to be much more effective, I believe, than just doing it by ourselves. There is an interdependence. There's a partnership there. You've heard it said there's strength in numbers. Well, partnership, especially in ministry, strengthens our resolve and drive to share the gospel, to share the truth of God as we rely interdependently on those around us who are doing the same thing. There's, there's actually something very organic about this kind of interdependence. If you've ever experienced that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But notice, third of all, it prompts us to disciple in partnership to impact more people. Paul and Silas went and spent some time at this man's house, um, apparently discipling his family. They all believed. And it says in verse 34 that this man, he rejoiced having believed in God with all his household. Paul and Silas together got to reach this whole family with the gospel, and I would just remind you of this. Disciple-making does not exist in a vacuum. Interdependent partnership has huge effectiveness on our impact. More people can impact and disciple more people. The church is not a one-man show. God's intention is for us to reach and disciple the lost and each other together. You know that, right? I think I'm speaking to the choir here, so to speak. But this, God's intention is for us to do this together. Disciple-making does not exist in a vacuum. But notice number three. Partnership can bolster gospel confidence. I think we'll call this a proper endurance in our walk. In verses 35 through 40, the judges, the officials there, tried to quietly release Paul and Silas without making a fuss about what happened. And this was unacceptable. And you know about this already the local authorities, what they did in imprisoning Paul and Silas was actually illegal in and of itself because Paul and Silas were Roman citizens and they were not lawfully, the, the, the uh, officials were not lawfully permitted to imprison and treat their own citizens in such a way. What a mess this really was and the response that Paul had to this attempted hush-up exhibits two principles that I'd like to just submit to you that further emphasizes the power of partnership in giving us confidence in ministry. Number one, remember partnership to strengthen boldness. Verse 37, but Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed, let them come themselves and get us out. And the officers told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. Then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. No doubt, with his ministry partner Silas by his side, Paul had confidence to stand up appropriately for what was right for the sake of the gospel message. But we also are reminded to advance in partnership to maintain mission. Partnership helps us to maintain mission. Look at verse 40. So, when, so they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. Remember, she comes back into the story now. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. Again, together, Paul and Silas continued on making disciples. This time, they went back to Lydia's house to encourage the believers there. Disciple-making is a lifelong mission. Commitment with disciple making partners that we get to encourage to keep doing the mission, to keep going. Uh, We can say it this way disciple making is a lifelong commitment to each other for the Lord's glory. Paul mentions this a bit in Galatians 6, 9 through 10. He says in Galatians 6, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, As we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. Listen, a missions conference like this is certainly designed to spur each one of us on to keep going in making disciples. We need this kind of emphasis because life has a way of throwing at us things that tempt us to throw in the towel. Life just gets busy, Uh, Life gets filled with situations and circumstances that cause us to say, either I don't have time, or quite frankly, I'm just not up to this. I don't feel like this. I don't feel like pouring myself into somebody else. Have you ever been there? Maybe you're experiencing some of that right now. We need partnership. We need each other to spur each other on to stay on mission I wonder if Paul and Silas individually might have been tempted to say, man, this stuff is for the birds. And let somebody else go get accused and beaten and tortured and left for dead. Let somebody else go through that. I'm done with this. But together, they were, were able to keep going in the advance of the cause of Christ. They had each other. They had the encouragement from each other to keep going. I had a professor in college who, would, uh, who, who reminded us one day that in the context of the church, we believers are somebody else's means of God's grace. You ever thought about that? That you are designed to be used by God within the body of believers as a means of His grace to them and them to you. That's partnership. That's interdependence. You need each other. Truly, when it comes to the family of God, we must be in this together. So real quickly, as we start to wrap up, I want to leave you with this thought. Partnership can have a plethora of possibilities. I'm going to leave you with two of those possibilities, and we're done. Number one, we need to think about the opportunity and I'd say even the mandate To partner with each other. This is the interdependence that we must have in the local church. Hey, Harvest, your pastors need you. You need your pastors. Hey, you know that person behind you and beside you and in front of you? You need them and they need you. There's really, in the local church setting, no place for an independent mindset. That's really the very illustration in Scripture that we see of the church being like a body. Just like a body has many parts that depend on each other for the whole function of that body, we all need each other in interdependent partnership. Ephesians 4 points this out, that the whole body Joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You each have a part to do in partnership with each other at Harvest Baptist Church. Hands down. So I want to challenge you. Find a Silas. This is the mindset to look for that partnership contribution of others into your life. Be open to that. Uh, be vulnerable. Today, Pastor Marshall challenged uh, each of us in a session on being vulnerable to others, appropriately so, but I want to challenge you. Find a Silas. Let somebody else into your life in this interdependent type of partnership. But I would say also be a Silas. This is a mindset to look for ways to pour into your brothers and sisters here in the church. And get specific. Don't just talk about Clemson and Carolina. Um, Is it possible for any Carolina fans to exist in this church? (laughs) Uh, Listen, I moved to Columbia, South Carolina just um, four months ago. And I'm a pretty... Pretty strong Clemson fan, but I moved into enemy territory. Um, you guys know what it's like to live in South Carolina. It's 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 real. Um, but I'm not t- saying just come to church and talk about football or talk about work or talk about the weather. But get real with one another, brother. How can I pray for you this week? You doing all right? How how can I help you? Is there something I can do to be a blessing to you and your family? Uh, I I mentioned brother, but it works with the sisters too, okay? Um, It's got to happen here in the church. Find a Silas and be a Silas. But then the other possibility, partner with other co-laborers. You see, one of the beauties of the body of Christ is that it's not only made of believers in this local church, but the body of Christ is also made of believers uh, that are following Christ literally all over the world. Partnership is not limited to just one particular church. We'd say it this way, partnership is global. One of the reasons you're having a missions conference like this is to highlight and consider interdependent strategic partnership with some of these other believers serving in the same mission as you, but just simply in a different geographical location. In that sense, we are all in this together. I want to challenge you in this way consider your part in investing in these ministries. The McPhails, the Dahlhausen, Dahlhausen, did I say that right? Uh, The the Seacrests and the Flowers all stand in need of this kind of partnership. Last week, I actually was privileged to meet Brother McPhail and his wife for the very first time. They came over to our ministry property to see... Uh, just just what the Lord was doing there and, and how the Lord was was working there in our property. And in conversation, Brother McPhail said something that really stuck with us in our ministry. And to him, it may have been a passing statement, but to us, it really caused us to think about some things. But he said this, that Sela International Counseling Ministries, our ministry, needs a groundswell of believers at the grassroots level, gaining a burden for what we're doing and ministering to the frontline ministry leaders um, in order for us to keep going. And that's so true. We need people in churches like Harvest Baptist Church to be all in in partnership with other believers outside of the church. That's what we depend on. We depend upon the giving and the support, not just financially, but that's a part of it, but prayerfully and even other tangible ways. We've had churches send um, men's groups to come do construction projects there on our our property, and I can say more about that tomorrow night. Uh, But we need God's servants like Harvest Baptist Church to be all in and get behind our ministry in tangible ways. I think each one of the ministries that represented in your conference this week would say the same thing. That's the power of partnership. Partnership is God's gift for fruit in gospel ministry. Hey, I hope you'll consider what your part is, how God may want to use you to partner with not only your brothers and sisters in Christ here in this local body, but how God would have you to partner with Ministries and other believers doing the same thing you're doing just in other locations. Could we pray and then I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Marshall. Father, thank you for the opportunity that I've had to just simply for a few moments encourage this dear body of believers to keep on keeping on, to keep doing what you've called all of us to do in taking your gospel to a lost and dying world, in discipling one another, pointing each other to your truth, as well as being vulnerable enough to be pointed ourselves to your truth. And I pray that partnership would continue to take root and grow fruit here in ways that you intend just in, in huge, huge uh, manifestations of your power. Thank you for it.